Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly and Rihanna Patrick with you for The Briefing. It is Friday, January 20. The big news is New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announcing her resignation yesterday. I know what this job takes and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. So after five and a half years in the job, leading New Zealand through the Christchurch shooting and the pandemic and about to face another election this year, she called it. I am human. Politicians are human. We give all that we can for as long as we can and then it's time. And for me, it's time. Yeah, it was a big announcement. I mean, she's a global celebrity now. And considering she's a leader of a very small country, it was amazing the way her star rose. But as she resigns and gets that sort of admiration of other world leaders, her critics at home had been starting to pile up. Her polling was at an all-time low. So in this episode, we're going to cross the ditch and get the full story on why Jacinda Ardern has quit the job and what she'll be remembered for. First, here are the other big stories of the day. Actor Alec Baldwin will be charged with involuntary manslaughter following the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on a movie set in 2021. Baldwin pointed a prop gun at the 42-year-old while rehearsing a scene for the Western film Rust at a ranch near Santa Fe in New Mexico. After the shooting, Baldwin said he didn't know it was loaded, that the gun misfired and that he didn't pull the trigger. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Yeah, so that was Baldwin talking to the ABC's George Stephanopoulos that was in the weeks after the shooting. So this is really interesting news that this is happening now, that Baldwin could face jail time, potentially up to 18 months. The film's weapons specialist, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, will also be charged with involuntary manslaughter. So it's going to be a very interesting case. They're going to be tried in front of a jury. And it was a wild night at the Australian Open, and it only just finished. There was a five-setter between Tanasi Kokonakis and Andy Murray, that finished at 4.07am, so just an hour before we started recording this episode. The match went for five hours and 45 minutes. Murray eventually beat Kokonakis, winning the last three sets after dropping the first two. And Novak Djokovic, he also got through. That was in four sets, but not before he blasted a heckler in the crowd. You know who it is? The guy's drunk out of his mind. Yeah, intense stuff. I guess that honeymoon reception wasn't going to last forever for Novak Djokovic. Big night for Aussie male players. Alex Minor got through. It was a tough match. But the most captivating Aussie player was Alexi Poprin. Now, I watched this match. It was incredible. So this young Aussie's ranked outside of the top 100, and he beat the eighth-seeded American, Taylor Fritz. This win is, it means so much to me. I had the toughest year last year. Um, didn't win many matches. I've won as many matches this year as I won the whole of last year. Yeah, so the Stoke level when he won was just unbelievable. And the crowd, what they were just loving him. I think we got a new star there, Rihanna. Yeah, it sounds like it. 
A Qantas flight has been forced to return to Sydney Airport with a potential mechanical issue less than 24 hours after another Qantas plane made a mayday call. The flight travelling to Fiji spent almost two hours circling the air in New South Wales on Thursday morning after pilots got the warning from a fault indicator. It comes less than a day after another Qantas flight from New Zealand issued a mayday call. And GPs are calling for tougher rules on vaping. So the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners made a submission to the TGA urging for better border controls and regulations to stop making the products so attractive to young people. The group says the fruity flavours and colourful packaging is making e-cigarettes more attractive to young people and it's proposing that plain packaging should be brought in with warning labels on them. The thing is, they're, they're illegal, so... I don't know how you regulate them until you somehow change the way we deal with them because they're just being brought in illegally. I actually saw this vape on the weekend, um, Rihanna, and someone picked it up and said, look at this. It's in bright colours. It's got like cartoon logos. How can you tell me this is not being targeted towards children? And it's true. They are. And so it's a massive problem. So it's really interesting to see the GPs trying to make some noise on this one. Um, I'm not sure what the government are going to do because they're already illegal, so it's really about stopping them getting in somehow. It's probably more work needs to be done at a customs level. We're going to take a deeper dive on that that issue in one of our episodes next week. All right, let's take a deep dive into yesterday's shock resignation from New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Chelsea Daniels is the news director with News Talk ZB based in Auckland. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us. What was your reaction to the announcement yesterday? Look, I think there was a bit of shock, a bit of both sides really, because we knew that there was going to be an announcement of some kind. We were all gearing up for, the, of course, the election date. But as she started talking and then she mentions something like reflecting over summer, I think everyone's ears pricked up and thought, hang on, this is happening. But to be honest, over the last probably six months, we all were kind of thinking and talking about the conversation was being had. Will she actually turn up and um, run in the next general election? A lot of people thought that she didn't. It was time for her to go. And it looks like she thought as well. Chelsea, how is the New Zealand public reacting to this news? We spoke to people on the street yesterday. Some were shocked. Well, most were shocked. They think that this is a good, kind, compassionate leader. But what's happened here over the last couple of years, that Jacinda mania that everyone felt in 2017 uh, when she first got elected, that's kind of dwindled over the last couple of years. Um, COVID fatigue, down to that. Also a couple of issues here on home ground, housing uh, crisis, cost of living crisis. There's been a huge spike in youth crime and ram raids. So all of those things combined, I think, have led to her kind of uh, dwindling in popularity. Uh, And the polls show that as well. So the last polls of 2022 had Labor, her party, at about 33% compared with the centre-right National Party, which is at 38-39. So those results are among the, the lowest of Ardern's leadership, representing a kind of turn back to those uh, bleak polling that, that actually caught her into power in the first place. Uh, same with her preferred PM ranking that had fallen over a year from 39 
29% in November last year. So you can kind of see there why this was probably a good decision, not only for her, but definitely the, the Labor Party. So are you saying she probably would have lost and that might be the real reason here? Is the polling that bad? Because they are tough times to lead through. Um, New Zealand, like like a lot of other Western countries, is staring down a recession and struggling to fight inflation. Also, I think leaders that took us through the pandemic have then <laughs> struggled to maintain their popularity no matter how they handled it because it was just a, a grim time, whichever way you sort of look back at those policy decisions. So do you think it was a pragmatic decision that she's, she thought, look, I actually probably can't win this or, or if I can, it's going to take so much energy and therefore it's a combination of the two reasons? I mean, she made a point of saying, look, she's human, uh, she's resigning because she's done, uh, nothing's left in the tank. And she did have the support of her family to go ahead and, and run again. It's about having enough in the tank. Those polls, we could be looking at a national act uh, coalition. Labor, they definitely weren't going to be winning in the landslide that they did in 2020, that's for sure. And, and like you said, these COVID politicians have, have really been dropping like flies, haven't they? She was so revered worldwide, um, and rightfully so, for, for her COVID response here in New Zealand. But over the years, and, and that COVID fatigue sets in, um, everyone's not only channeled their gratitude towards her, but that gratitude has actually turned to animosity when people get fed up of things like mandates, vaccines, what have you, lockdowns, and we're starting to feel the real effects of COVID, kind of post-COVID. Um, so that's what's happened here. Chelsea, you said she's often seen as being compassionate and kind. I mean, why is that? I mean, she had such star power for the leader of a small country and it was, seemed like everyone knew her. I mean, what do you put that down to? Look, if I was to say her legacy was anything, it would be definitely serving uh, in a crisis. So you'll remember the Christchurch terrorist attack in 2019, that that image of her in a hijab um, hugging victims and their families. They were just plastered across the globe. That empathy and compassion is something that people hadn't really seen from a politician. She kind of brought in uh, the way of you don't have to be stoic and stern to be, to be a leader of a country. You can actually show some empathy. Then it happened again. The Fakadi White Island volcano erupted later that year, of course, and then COVID. So she has been shown, you know, even your own um, Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, says it, she's shown the world how to lead with intellect and strength and, and she's been an inspiration to him. So her critics would say that was all style and, and no substance. There's a column in on the front page of our newspaper here, which tends to swing towards the right a little bit, the Australian, and, and you know, they call her the, the princess of woke and say that, it, you know, often the kindness was used as a cloak to bring in more draconian policies. I'm not saying I agree with those takes, but that's, that's how some people see it. Was a lot of that, I guess the stuff her reputation was built on, mostly about just who she was and the, the aesthetic the age, the fact that she was a woman rather than the, the deeper policy positions? Yeah, look, I mean, she's done uh, some some good. So obviously we're looking at COVID. That's the big one. She has brought in some things called winter energy payments. She's done a lot in the in the child abuse 
stage as well. But in terms of, I mean, that's what people I think got sick of over the last five and a half years was that uh, be kind, look out for each other. I mean, that kind of rhetoric really does wear thin over a while. Why do you think that um, is? Not to say, does, it, does it feel condescending to some people? I mean, I, I guess it would. There is a, a large portion of the population who who just grew so sick of her. They were anti-mandate, anti-vaccine, anti-COVID uh, lockdowns. And eventually, uh, once all those lifted, they just became anti-Ardern. Mm. Um, there's definitely that growing sentiment here that, okay, let's stop being kind, uh, let's move on and let's do something else. And, and like I said, she's had to deal with a few things in the last year or so, housing crisis. Uh, youth crime, labour is being called from all sides um, really soft on crime. Uh, So it'll be an interesting election. Do you think there was a degree of sexism in the way she was treated by her critics? It'd be hard not to say that there was in terms of uh, the questions that she was asked, how she was treated uh, on a wider scale, especially on social media. I mean, some of the things on social media was completely vile. So she did face a lot of that, I think, especially, you know, conversations around her spending time with her daughter when she should be doing X, Y, Z. The country was kind of divided when she took Neve to the UN generalist assembly back in 2018. She was the first female leader to do so, to bring her baby in. A lot of people thought, okay, like this is another Jacinda show. What is she really doing? And then there was people who said, what a a powerful and amazing step forward for women, especially in leadership, because there are a lot of working mothers. So it is really a mix. Chelsea, if we're looking at Who comes after uh, Jacinta Ardern in terms of leading her party? I mean, who do you think will take over and is there another leader like her in the wings? Yeah, so short answer, no. Um, There isn't another lead like her in the wings. She had that, like you said, a star power and Labor are really going to miss out on that kind of wild card going into the general election this year for sure. Um, The other options would have been Deputy Prime Minister Grant Robertson. He's already said that he's not putting his hat in the ring. Uh, He would have been an interesting choice. Uh, He would have been New Zealand's first openly gay Prime Minister. Uh, But he said that, you know, the job deserves and requires 100% commitment and he's just not ready to give that. Another contender in the running could be Chris Hipkins. He started out with Ardern. He rose through the ranks with her. He became very popular actually during the pandemic. Um, He started out as education minister. I actually have a a very distinct memory of him getting excited about leaving the house uh, and rocking up to one of those uh, 2pm showings. He showed us some volcano booklets that whipped up for some kids schooling at home. And he's actually kind of known as the Mr. Fix-It role, I'd say, within the party. So will he be able to fix uh, the election results? I'm not sure. Um, A lot of people have asked me, is there another woman in the wings? Well, Mm. uh, there is Kitty Allen. Uh, She's a Māori woman. Uh, She's currently Justice Minister. She did an incredible job uh, as Civil Defence Minister, But does she have enough experience? Some would say that Jacinda herself didn't have enough experience. So who knows? Yeah. Well, it was a generational change as well, don't you think? She's 42 years old. So when she came in, she was in her late 30s. So um, technically she's 
she's Gen Y. Um, do you think that will be part of her legacy that she led a new way of doing things that really suited the younger end of the electorate when for so many decades we've put up with baby boomer leaders? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And those voters are important, right? You've got the 20s and 30s, you know, in New Zealand and probably over there in Australia, don't own homes, renting, looking at prospects of never owning a home and kind of seeing voting for someone who they think can help, I guess. Has she helped in in that respect? Probably not. But she did bring to the role that sense of, I'm going to say it again, empathy and compassion as much much as I also kind of roll my eyes sometimes when I say that, um, she did. She's not stoic. She was approachable. People um, thought that they were a part of the family. People would say, how was Jacinda? Mm. Have you spoken to her? Um, People would think that I, you know, met a celebrity when I said, yes, I've, I've spoken to her, I've met her. It's kind of a shift, like you said, in in politics and the way people are leading. That was Chelsea Daniels, News Director with News Talk ZB in Auckland. What do you make of her legacy, Rihanna? Jacinda Ardern. Oh, look, I think I was one of those who, you know, was really attracted to that star power. Mm. I don't know. There was something just relatable about her. And I think for me, seeing a New Zealand prime minister speak in Maori was empowering, you know, as Mm. an Indigenous person as well. And I just think there was such humanity she brought to the role. But I'm also very aware that I am not a voter in New Zealand. (laughs) And so perhaps I was only getting one side of that story. But I think, you know, there have been commentators, Tom, that have talked about how she is really like a wartime prime minister. She went through all these crises and never seemed to put a foot wrong. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff's pretty true, though. Um, She had a lot of now. So I even think this decision to call it a day like this, it's going to be a pretty classy exit. It's a clean way to to go out. There'll be the, the critics saying, you know, she... She wouldn't face up to another election. But five and a half years, it's a pretty good run, especially through a pandemic. So, yeah, I think the history books will put her down as a a generational change in leadership in New Zealand. And as we've just heard from that that analysis from Chelsea, that new style of leadership with compassion and, and kindness and authenticity is also what she'll be remembered for. All right, that is it for your Monday to Friday briefing. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you next week, but tomorrow in your feed, uh, Jamila Rizvi is back with the weekend briefing. Jamila, hello. Who have you got on this week? I am coming back strong in 2023 with a conversation with Elise McCann, who is an incredible theatre performer. As soon as you hear her voice, you will know her. She sings with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. She's performed as part of the Australian musical production of Matilda. She is always headlining charity galas. She's in carols at the Domain every year. She's so good. But her career has taken a totally different turn and she has actually gone into the world of business and tech and has created an app with her her friend and fellow performer, Lucy Durack. And I really wanted to understand how that happened, why that happened, and learn from someone who is a creative at heart about how you take some random idea you came up with on a walk with your friends and turn it into reality. Yeah, wow. What an interesting um, 
career change. And, you know, I think a lot of us maybe have those sorts of ideas, but following them through is a whole nother story. I'm looking forward to that one on your weekend briefing. A big thank you to the hardworking briefing team for making this podcast possible, setting their alarms very early all week. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Listener.